You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 123. Today's reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 14, verses 9 through 18. Brethren, to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So each of us shall give account of himself to God. Then let us no more pass judgment on one another, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. If your brother is being injured by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Do not let what you eat cause the ruin of one for whom Christ died. So do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He who thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. In the opening verses I just read, Paul discusses the passing of judgment on our brother. And I think as a society today it becomes more and more divided, I find that this is something that I continually uh, struggle against. So would you provide some insight into Paul's words here in Romans 14, Father? Yeah, they are difficult words to follow, simple to understand, but our tendency, it seems, as human beings, is to judge others. But what St. Paul is hitting on here is something that is very deeply ingrained in his way of thinking and teaching in Scripture. And what do you mean by that? Well, Paul is a master at how he sets up various metaphors to help make his point and to really drive it home to the reader, especially the original reader. And the way that he does this, and why I say it's so masterful, is that he just has this brilliant way of of taking the Jewish Torah, the Jewish biblical teaching, and then using well-known Roman concepts and structures of society from his time to help convey that teaching in a way that would have been readily and and clearly understandable to his readers. And why do you say that it's uh, brilliant and masterful? Can you help us better understand that? Yeah, sure. I I think today both the ancient Jewish way of life and the ancient Roman way of life, it's so far removed from our reality. And we study the Bible, we study history, because both the Jewish mindset of Paul's time and the Roman society of Paul's time are so foreign to us, yet something that we do study, we may not realize just how diametrically opposed those two ways of life are, how different they are one from another, because to us they're similar in that they're both distant and foreign to us. Yet Paul finds a way to combine the two in order to bolster his case for the ultimate supremacy of the biblical way of life. Father, I'd I'd like to get back to the specific passage that I read today, and most especially as it relates to Paul's warning against being judgmental. But I'm really interested in probing a little more uh, first into the differences between the ancient Jewish biblical concepts and the structure of ancient Roman society at the time of Jesus. What are some ways they differ that you believe are important? 
Well, I think we could point to numerous specific examples, but the biggest difference that underlies almost all those specific cases is this general philosophical difference related to power dynamics. And what I mean by that is that in Roman society, people and institutions with earthly power were highly valued, respected, and feared. Moreover, it was totally normal and expected that those with that power would use it to dominate the weak. And this comes through in in so many ways. It comes through in the emperors using raw and brutal power to crucify enemies of the state like Jesus in that most humiliating and painful manner. Shows up in the societal structure of the family where the father of the house has the right and the ability to make his biological children into slaves if they are weak and to adopt slave children and make them his own if they're strong. And it shows up in the sexual dynamics of the time where powerful men could use women or even young boys for their sexual domination and pleasures. Such was the exaltation of power in Roman society. Uh, But the biblical ethics and way of life are significantly different. The Bible is unique in as much as it exalts the meek and lifts up the humble. The Bible is unique in that God specifically commands us to care for the poor and needy and downtrodden, to judge a case fairly based on its merits and not based on how powerful is the person being judged. And what a lot of people don't realize about the Bible and the limits it places on the use of our sexuality, these limits are actually put in place to protect the weak. So whereas in Roman society, a strong male could use and dominate sexually a woman or a man who was viewed as inferior, the Bible specifically prohibits this type of behavior in order to protect the physically weaker, to put strict limits on the powerful. And we could go on and on with these types of examples, but I know we need to move on to today's specific reading. But I just wanted to highlight how different Paul's biblical way of life is from the dominant society of his time to help underline how powerful it is for him to be able to apply biblical concepts in a way that Roman citizens would understand, which of course causes them to be more open to accepting his gospel message and to ultimately changing the way that they understand things like these power dynamics and to change the way they live their lives so that they would be more in accordance with Scripture. Very helpful examples, Father. Thank you. And like you said, I do want to go back to the reading I started with on today's episode, specifically about how Paul warns against being judgmental of others. And you mentioned already that Paul uses a metaphor elsewhere to help make his point on this drawing from Roman society. Can you explain how he does that? Yeah, so Paul sets up this metaphor modeling the Roman household, which was the bedrock of Roman society in that structure. Uh, according to Paul's metaphor, God is the pater familius. Now in Roman society, the pater familius was the father of the family, or even sometimes translated as the owner of the family. He was essentially the what we might call a dictator of the entire family, which was not just like we think in modern day America, the nuclear family, the mother and father with their children, but what we call the entire extended family, much larger type of household. And as I alluded to earlier, the pater familias had extraordinary power, so much so that he could choose to adopt slave children as his own or even to make his biological children as a slave. So for Paul, God is the pater familias. And of course, we're extremely fortunate that this God is gracious and merciful and loving. But regardless, he is still the pater familias, and therefore, 
is able to exercise dictatorial-like power, meaning that he is ultimately the judge of the house. Now, underneath the pater familias, you have the economos. The economos, notably, is two things at once. First, he is a slave, but second, he is the chief slave, the master of the house, the steward entrusted by the father to ensure that the household, which again is an extended household much larger than our nuclear family households today, but he is, uh, the economos is entrusted to run the household on behalf of the father of the family. And for Paul, he presents himself as the economos, as the chief steward. So Paul is the chief steward as an apostle, yet he is still a slave, meaning that he is still answerable to the father. He has to give an account to the father. And while he oversees the rest of the slaves in the household, the rest of the slaves in this analogy or metaphor would be the rest of the members of the church to whom Paul is writing, he himself, Paul himself, is not their judge. Therefore, even Paul cannot act as the judge of his fellow Christians, nor, as he says at one point, may he even judge himself. So if Paul cannot judge, just as a Roman economos cannot judge, then neither can the common slave regular members of the church, and neither can any member then, of course, uh, of Paul's church judge one another, because in this model, judgment is reserved exclusively for the pater familias, the father of the family, in this case, uh, speaking of uh, Paul and his community, it is God alone who is the judge. That's fascinating. I, I really appreciate you explaining the context, and I want to make sure that I understand it correctly, and I think what you're saying is that Paul is putting all of us as Christians, as people who wish to follow Scripture, he's using this metaphor where we are all considered to be slaves, and the only master we have is God. Uh, we do have fellow slaves who have been appointed as stewards, like Paul, for example, to help uh, lead us on the correct path and to ensure we know our responsibilities. And while we respect and honor them, they too are fellow slaves and are also subject to God's judgment. And as Paul mentioned in the passage I read at the beginning of today's episode, all of us will stand before the judgment seat of God. And because of that, because we're all slaves and God is the only judge, we have no right to cast judgment on others. We're merely responsible for ourselves to see to it that we follow God's biblical instructions. We're not responsible for judging others. We leave that to God alone. Yeah, absolutely correct. This is the message that Paul is conveying time and time again in his epistles. Okay, so I'm glad that uh, we've, we've covered that, and I think I understand that well, but I do want to ask uh, what advice you have as to how we can improve in our daily lives to avoid judging others. Yeah, great question, right? How do we apply this is always the, the key point. And as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, this seems to be difficult. Uh, withholding judgment seems to be difficult for us as humans. We can explain, as we did today, this rather simple-to-understand concept that we're all slaves and God alone is the judge, but we seem to have the difficulties putting it into practice. And, you know, I wish I had a magic bullet, uh, a magic elixir to help us stop being judgmental, but I, I don't think there is one except this, to just continue to repeat to ourselves this metaphor, this teaching of Paul, that we're all slaves in God's house, that he alone is the pater familias, he alone is the father of the house, he alone is the judge. We have to repeat this again and again and again in our heads until it starts to penetrate into our hearts. And so when I find myself being judgmental of others, 
I ultimately always come back to that. I just remind myself, no, you, I'm a slave. It's not my business to judge or to tell on another slave or to look down on another slave. My job is to do the will of my master, to follow his instructions. That's it. That's all. That's my focus. I don't need to concern myself with others. Of course, you know, obviously we help others. That's one of the instructions he's given us, but we don't concern ourselves with them as it relates to judgment. And unless it is to extend the same mercy to them that my master first gave to me, that's the only thing that I look to them to do. Otherwise, their business is none of my business. I simply need to focus on being a good slave to my gracious and beneficent master. I appreciate the insight, Father. To conclude today, would you touch on St. Paul's admonition to avoid injuring others by what we eat? And I assume this applies to many other aspects in our lives, not just food. So more broadly speaking, how should we apply this in our lives? Yeah, absolutely. As you sense, picked up on Paul's teaching here extends well beyond what we eat or don't eat. The reason that Paul mentions eating here is because it was a huge issue in his time. You have the dietary restrictions of the Jews, what we refer to today now as kosher laws, and then you have the Gentile converts that Paul has brought into the community, and they don't have these same limitations and restrictions. And because of these differences, you have inevitable conflicts that arise from time to time. And what Paul's saying, says it more explicitly elsewhere, is that while the Gentiles may have the right to eat what they want, if it bothers one of their brothers in the community who's Jewish, or even a brother who's a Gentile who believes he needs to follow these kosher laws, then even though you technically have a right to eat as you wish, you should be sensitive to how that will be perceived uh, by your brother. And I believe this is a really important lesson for those of us in America. Americans, we love to speak about our rights. I have a right to do this, I have a right to do that, but just because we have a right to do something doesn't mean it's always advisable to do it. And the way I like to frame it is like this, we can be American Christians or we can be Christians who happen to live in America. And by that I mean, of course, that we have to decide what's our primary designation. Are we Americans first, where we assert our rights, or are we Christians first, where we seek to do no harm to our cause any uh, stumbling block for our brother? Because what Paul is telling us here is that we should be Christians first and foremost, caring about our brother or sister who may be weaker in their faith than us. And I'll just conclude by noting my favorite part of today's passage you read there at the beginning. I love the part where Paul pleads with us to view others as one for whom Christ died. If we begin to see every single person as one for whom Christ died, then I find that we're less judgmental of them, we're less assertive of enforcing our rights, and we're more loving and compassionate and patient with them as Paul teaches us we should be. Thank you, Father. Today's episode began with an explanation of how Paul sets up various metaphors to help make his point, in this case, discussing the topic of judgment, by using Jewish biblical teaching and well-known Roman concepts that would have been clearly understood by his readers. One specific example Father Aaron gave was that of the Economos, who was the chief slave in the Roman household. The Economos was considered the chief steward of the house, and St. Paul considered himself to be the Economos of the churches to which he penned his epistles. And while he oversees the rest of the slaves and the household, he is not their judge. The only judge is the pater familias, the father of the family, which is God himself. And so no slave can be the judge of another, as God alone reserves the right of judgment. While this simple concept is easily understood, 
putting it into practice can prove difficult. Father recommended that we repeat this teaching from Paul, that we are all slaves in God's house and he alone is the judge, so that it penetrates our hearts. Only then can we keep our focus on doing the will of our master and extend the mercy he has given us to others. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia.